0: All right, praise God, praise God. It is um, discipleship class number 32, and uh, we've been having a good conversation in the room, just talking about the goodness of God and what the Lord's doing in people's lives. And so, welcome those of you who are joining us online, and we're excited to have you with us. And um, we're excited about our our topic tonight. We're going to continue our discussion on the power of words. And um, one of the things that was brought out, and, and we talked about this in earlier classes, is you know, the Bible talks about the power of, of God's words and the, and the word of his power. Um, but tonight, obviously, th- that's a factor in this, but but we're going to be talking about the power of, of our individual words, what you know, what we say and how the things that come out of our mouth influence and impact our life reality. So anyway, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for uh, your love for us, Lord, for your wisdom for us. Lord, you um, put wisdom in place for us to be discovered by us before we ever lived on this planet, Father. And Lord, you did it for our glory. You did it so that we could live our highest and best in you. And I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives. Father, nothing glorifies you more than a transformed life. For people to be able to see uh, in, in our lives, Lord, your goodness and your love and your power at work. So, Lord, as we look to your word, once again, we honor and acknowledge the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher. He leads us and guides us into all truth. I thank you, Father, that his anointing is upon me to share your word tonight, and his anointing is upon those who are listening, Lord, to hear and receive. Father, I thank you that as your words come out of my mouth, Father, that your Holy Spirit will help each person connect with them in a very unique and special way as it relates to and pertains to where they are in their walk and relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for the, the, the men and women that are learning and growing during this time, but also, Father, thank you in advance for all of the lives these men and women will touch for your glory. We declare it so in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Praise God. All right, so um, let me just kind of go quick through this. We're talking about um, what is man, and we're, on, uh, we're a being created in the image and likeness of God, and because we are in the image and likeness of God, we have certain abilities, characteristics, attributes, things we can do that nobody else can do, no other created thing can do, or at least can't do it the way we can do it. And we said those things are our ability to think, reason, form opinions, our ability to agree, our ability to believe, and then our ability to experience and express emotions. We covered uh, that one, number four week before last and finished last week. And then we started with, with number five, and we said that was our ability to speak, our ability to speak. And if you look at those things, they all culminate... Um, in um, this final fifth and final ability that we're going to talk about tonight, and that is our ability to speak. In other words, we think, reason, and form opinions, but then we release those thoughts through words. Uh, We make agreements with things, healthy or unhealthy, again through words. Um, We looked at where the Bible says we believe in our heart and then we speak with our mouth. This is how a man or woman is born again. And we talked about how we have the ability to experience and express a full range of emotions because God first had those uh, full range of emotions and he created us in his image and his likeness to both experience and express that full range of emotions. But when you combine words and emotions, right, <laughs> this is where things can get uh, very serious in a hurry. Uh, again, either to work in your favor, in your best interest, or they can work against you to bring tremendous damage to you personally, uh, not to mention to the people who uh, may be collateral damage to someone's um, words, you know, and, uh, you know, violent, negative emotions behind uh, those words. So I'm not going to do a whole lot of review of what we said last week, but remember, the Bible's very clear about it, perhaps the most concise verse in all the Bible about these things. Death and life's in the power of your tongue. Those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. So, whatever you're saying today is going to be on a plate for you to eat tomorrow. Um, now, James, and we'll get there here in a little while, but but James even breaks it down. Uh, the the epistle of James, the Holy Spirit through James even breaks it down further than that. But let's start tonight in Romans chapter eight verse thirty-one. Romans chapter eight and verse thirty-one, and it and it says this. Um, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I could really go on here and and spend 30 minutes of our time together just talking about even what's next. How about what's next? If he spared not his only son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not freely give us all things? Um, But the first part of verse 31 is what I want us to focus on as we begin tonight. What then shall we say? to these things and these things he's talking about the challenges that we face the the obstacles that sometimes seem to block our way um, but also the positive things in our life um, what will you say how about this one remember jesus asked his disciples one day first he said who do others say who do men who do people say what are they, what's what's the word on the street about me um, and they kind of gave him some answers, but then he said, but, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So, so again, he's asking them to speak something out loud from their mouths concerning what they think, the opinions they have, the agreements that they've made, um, the, 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 the beliefs that they have uh, about him. What then shall we say to these things? Now, the simplest way... I think to understand this, and I'm not trying to water this verse down because what we say is extremely important and we need to say something and we need to choose the words carefully, okay? Um, but I want you to first think of this as how we respond to things, okay? How we respond to things. What if I was to tell you every strategy, every tactic, every device that the enemy has against you and tries to use against you all has one single goal, and that is to get you to respond in a way that would be hurtful and destructive to you and to other people? Temptation, right? The Bible says we're drawn away of our own desires and enticed by temptation. But again, what is the devil ultimately trying to get you to do? He's trying to get you to respond in a way that is harmful to you, destructive to you, not to mention hurtful to God, right? Are you you following this? So it all comes down to the devil trying to push your buttons. Do you understand pushing buttons? Amen. The devil trying to push your buttons to get you to respond, say something, do something, think something, feel something, right? He's trying to get you to respond in a way that would give place to him, that would open up a door of opportunity for him to affect his agenda in your life, which is nothing but stealing, killing, and destroying. So when he's asking, what then shall we say to these things, I want you to think in terms of response. How are we going to respond? Okay. But as we develop this more and more uh, in our time together, I want you to see that a verbal response is not only... um, good, or let me say, the right verbal response is not only good, it's, it's required, it's necessary. Words have to be spoken. Um, our Father God creates things and changes things by spoken words. And we were created in His image and in His likeness. Let me remind you again that image and likeness are not repeating the same thought Image and likeness means we look like He looks, but also it means we function like He functions. And we know that among the ways that God functions, and we talked about it last week, He functions emotionally. But we also know that, that one of the main ways that God functions is He puts things in order, He creates things, He changes things by speaking words, okay? And so He created you and me to do the same thing. Now, I'm I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but remember the verses out of Proverbs 4 where he says, guard your heart, for um, from your heart spring forth the issues of life. God designed you and me in such a way as for our inward parts to form the reality of our outward life. In other words, what's in you. That's why Jesus said, it's not what goes in a man that defiles him, it's what comes out of him. Okay, And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus said that a, fruit, a tree will be known by its fruit, Okay, and that a good man brings good things forth from his heart. We think a good man speaks good, positive things. A bad man speaks bad, negative things. That's, that's not what that means. He's literally saying through the vehicle of words, we bring forth things that are inside of us. Okay, So again, I get a little bit ahead of myself. But let me go back to it. You were designed by God in such a way as for what's in your heart, right, to form and shape the reality, your your inward part, to to design and shape your outward part. And words, right, words come from inside of us, out of us. A couple other things I won't try to teach on these tonight, but tears, Tears come from inside of us, out of us. And I don't, I don't just mean fake crying, okay? Um, it's, it's a release. It's something inside of us. God created us with the ability to, to shed tears. And I don't know if you've ever seen this in the Bible, but he collects them in a bottle. I believe he knows how many have come out of my right eye and how many have come out of my left eye. Tears are a precious thing to him, okay? Another thing that comes from inside of you, out of you, is laughter. You ever think about just a good old hearty laughter? The Bible says it does good like a medicine. Again, this is another um, way of expressing outwardly something that is is inward, okay? But words. Words, you know, are, are intended by God to take what's inside of us and not only, you know, not just, you know, bring it out because we say it, but literally produce it. Um, in our lives. And I know that's such a far-fetched thing for some folks to hear, but we'll look at the verse in a minute, but this is when Jesus said, you know, you will answer for every idle word, okay, (laughs) every idle word. This is how important and powerful words are. Remember last week we talked about bringing every thought into captivity? But we made that connection between you bring thoughts captive by what you say, not just by thoughts, but what what you say. And so in the same way that, that we bring uh, we're responsible for bringing thoughts into captivity. We also have to, you know, let the words of our mouth be acceptable in your sight. We have to be very careful and cautious, you know, what we say. It was a really good day in my life when I when I realized that I do not have to comment on everything, that I don't have to give my opinion on every situation, on every, every question. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? The devil is the one who's behind that because, again, He's the one who's trying to entice us into responding in, in an incorrect way, um, and this is how he gains access to our lives. What then shall we say to these things? So I want you to consider for just a moment um, you know, what you're dealing with in your life right now that may be some kind of problem, some kind of obstacle, some kind of issue, and then I want you to ask yourself, what, what are you saying about it? But we also learned something else last week, okay, It's not just what are you saying about it, but what are you saying to it? What are you saying to it? Jesus spoke to weather. Jesus spoke to fevers. Jesus spoke to dead people. Jesus spoke to demonic spirits. Jesus spoke to trees. Jesus, are you with me? With tremendous results in, in, in every single one of these situations. And remember, He is our model, He is our example in, in all things. So when He spoke to that fig tree, Mark 11, I think it's Matthew 17, uh, confirms what we see at the end of Mark 11. Remember that when he spoke to that fig tree and and it withered, and the disciples were fascinated by it the next day, Jesus' first response were, have faith in God, because if you say to the mountain, be cast and believe in your heart and do not doubt, it will do whatever you say. Remember, he emphasized over and over and over again that word, say, saith said, okay? So... What then shall we say to these things? Whatever it is that you're facing and dealing with and and that you need to see some movement in, some change in, some breakthrough in. Remember his word is like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. What are you saying about it? What are you saying to it? So when I say our ability to think, agree, believe, experience, and express emotions are dynamic and interactive, notice how all of those things kind of culminate into, let's say you're facing some situation that you don't understand right now, you can't seem to figure out, and, um, and you're agreeing with popular opinion, you're agreeing with what 9 out of 10 dentist surveys uh, say. Um, you've developed some beliefs about the situation, and because of that, you're starting to really experience some frustration, maybe a little depression sprinkled in, maybe a little uh, anger uh, uh, sprinkled in on all of that. Well, notice now what's more than likely going to be coming out of your mouth about that situation. Right? See, the devil loves it when we get into self-cursing mode. The devil loves it when we get into this mode in our lives where we start saying things with feeling. Remember, you're not limited by God. You're not limited by me. We're only limited by our own affections. And affections are desires combined with emotions. So, you know, let's say this hypothetical situation where we're very frustrated and, and we, you know, our thoughts are all over the place and so forth and so on. Notice how all of that now it's, it's like squeezing a ketchup bottle and what's coming out of our mouths, right? So we get in this, what I call self-cursing mode. That's when we start saying things like, I can't do anything right. I'm such a screw-up. I don't even know why I try. Nobody understands me. Nobody's ever liked me. See, we, words, we, the, and the devil is just, he is wallowing in that, right? Because if what comes out of your mouth is going to be on a plate for you to eat in the future, see... You're now taking a situation that you're in the middle of, of now and without realizing it, you're recreating a similar, if not more serious situation uh, in your future by the words that you're speaking out of your mouth as it relates to the situation you're involved in in the present. It's getting quiet up in here, okay? See, the devil doesn't want you to know this. I, I think I said this last week. If, if I did, it, it, it bears repeating and I'll say it again. Of all the subjects... That, um, that I have taught in the scriptures, okay, over many years now, the two that I have received the most negative feedback over um, are, are these, okay, where the Bible says, God said to you and me, I said you are God's, lowercase g-o-d-s, Jesus then confirmed it, I think in John 13, anyway, is it 13? Anyway, all right. So, but somewhere in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus confirmed that verse. Your law says it can't be broken. Okay. People, there. sadly, there are people who left this church when I preached that here many years ago. Never came back. Okay. Um, but the one even more than that that meets the greatest resistance of anything I've ever tried to teach and explain to people is this subject right here. The power of your own words. And there's a reason behind that. Who's behind the resistance? The devil. The devil never wants you to understand this. He wants to remain in control or at least in in a place of influence over your thoughts and ultimately over the words that you speak out of your mouth. So, yes? Do you catch a bottle analogy? Does that
1: work the opposite? Um, Yes. With a, a desired emotion? Absolutely. Well, you you know, I want that. Absolutely. That that's, that's
0: mine. You're well on your way. Because, it, and it's Matthew twelve thirty four. out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. So whatever is in you in abundance is going to come out of your mouth when the world or life squeezes you. Okay. And so what happens to a lot of folks who have a lot of good concepts of truth, they know a lot of what the Bible says about certain things, what's in their heart in abundance. And so, when they find themselves in a pressure-packed situation, they say, "You know what? I know I probably ought to try to find something about the Bible and faith in this situation, but I tell you what I'm going to do: I, I, I'm going to go with what I know right now, and 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 we'll pick back pick that back up later." Kind of, you know. I, and sometimes not even a thought; it's just we're squeezed, and out it comes. Okay. And listen, God knows what's in our hearts. He's not afraid of that. He's trying to help us change that and your heart is the combination of your spirit and your soul. Remember, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. A lot of people think the heart and the spirit are the same thing. They're partially correct. The heart is the spirit, but it's the combination of the spirit and the soul. Your spirit's been born again, made 100 percent, completely new. Couldn't be any newer, any fresher, any more like Jesus than it is right now. But our soul was not born again, and so you know there's these this residue of the old person we were that lingers in our thinking. This is why another really accurate way to understand discipleship is the renewing of the mind. It's it's where we're learning to think in agreement with the new man we've become and the realities of the new birth that we already possess and have, okay? And we begin to see ourselves and think of ourselves um, in that light. So there's a lot of people who know a whole lot uh, about the Bible and God and Scriptures and all that stuff, but it does them little to no good. I mean, they'll make it to heaven if they're born again, but as far as their daily victory in life, it does them little to no good because they never see it in themselves, they never think of themselves as being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, they know, they can quote every verse in the Bible, New Testament, Romans, whatever, about the gift of righteousness and so forth and so on. But it's not until you actually uh, embrace and acknowledge, that's going to be, hopefully, guys, part of this, sorry, ladies, part of the sermon tonight, Philippians 6, talks about acknowledging every good thing that's in you. And, and, And a lot of folks don't even know, much less acknowledge what's, in them as far as the inward realities of the new birth are concerned yes you said live in a body. What about the oh i'm sorry brother i went through that kind of quick didn't okay. i okay so I day, I so know. you are a spirit you live in i'm sorry <laughs> you didn't anybody catch that one yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> horse. my horse wrote, i rode in here on okay so I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Okay? Yeah. Amen. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to water my horse. Okay? Because if I didn't have this body, I couldn't be standing right here doing what I'm doing with you, with you tonight. Okay? Soul is, the, soul is the mind, emotions, and will. Okay? We, listen, we... Our next stop on on this journey is uh, Triune man, spirit soul and body, what I call Stick man theology. okay, complete withdrawing. So we, we will get into all of that in, in elaborate detail, okay um, But your mind, emotions and will, that's your soul. It's how you think, it's how you feel and it's how you it's the choices that you make. And that's obviously a very critical part as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Um, okay but notice as he thinks in his heart, thinking in the heart's not the same. As the intellect, okay, that's that's talking about this inward part, yeah.
1: I just realized it, if you believe to wrap up, oh, I just want to say for a week now, for a while now, you've been talking about anchoring your your mm-hmm. your, your thoughts in, in truth. So I imagine that this is what actually to guard your heart looks like, right? Absolutely, so To protect it to make sure that your, uh, your beliefs are not influenced by other things, but to make sure that they're grounded in what this says,
0: right? What things soever are true. If it ain't true it's just, it's bounced right there. I mean, we're not even going any further down the list. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are noble, good report, all that whole list. Absolutely. Okay. So what then shall we say to these things? Now, <clears throat> you will never understand the importance of prayer until you understand the power of words. Okay. And, and once you understand how important words are, you'll begin to understand um, how important prayer really is. Now, what a lot of Christ uh, do, make the mistake of doing, is they only pray in response to some attack from the enemy. So, you know, let's say somebody has an accident. And so we pray for them that they will recover and that they will be okay. Let's say there's some financial shortfall. Oh, my goodness, we, you know, we, this place is going broke. Let's pray, okay? So I'm not saying that we shouldn't. We absolutely should. If there's some issue or so, some problem, we, we should respond. We should retaliate with the Word of God and with prayer um, and, and, and b- with boldness and faith. Absolutely. But watch this. If we only pray in response to some spiritual attack against us, this means the devil is not only controlling when we pray, but he's controlling what we pray about. So we wind up living in this defensive posture where we're constantly in this defensive mode. And so the devil attacks and we respond. And he attacks again over here and we respond. And he says this and we react with, with, with prayer. So please do that. But at some point, we've got to flip over from reactive to proactive, from defensive to offensive, to where, you know, what will we say to these things, okay? So I love the fact that it's just so open here, these things. He didn't say, what will we say about the devil? What will we say about sin? He said, what will we say about these things? So you realize your future is one of these things. Your family falls into the category of one of these things. Your finances, um, your uh, legal issues, if you have them, whatever. In other words, again, he used that um, phrase to these things because it's literally anything that has to do with you. But what are you saying about it? What are you saying to it? Okay, so that's... That's the question. Now, let's, um, oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's go to Isaiah 51. This is a verse that we looked at some, some weeks ago. Uh, I know a lot of you have joined the class since then, but um, it, let's, let's look at it again Isaiah 51 and 16. And uh, notice, notice what God is saying here. This is such a beautiful passage. He says to you and me, and I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. Now, we spent, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 minutes on this verse at at some point when we talked about heavens, plural. And I'm not going to try to go back through and, and rehash all of that but I bring it back tonight to show you, okay? Notice that Father God is trying to accomplish some things. He is wanting to plant the heavens. He's wanting to lay foundations because you got to have a foundation in place before you can build something. He's wanting some foundations to be put in place on the earth that something can be built upon to make a difference, okay? And he's wanting to say to Zion, you're my people, this is... This is how uh, folks are uh, brought into the kingdom by the sharing of the gospel. People hear and believe will be saved. Those who hear and reject it will, will be damned. Okay, But notice now all, all of these different categories of things that Father God wants to do. Planting the heavens, by the way, has to do with spiritual warfare. Remember, demonic forces uh, reside in the first heaven, lower atmosphere around the earth, and they're trying to uh, rule and govern the earth, prince of the power of the air. We talked about these things in great detail, uh, spiritual wickedness and high places, so forth and so on. All right? um, so we're talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about things being built and established here upon the earth. And we're talking about people being one into the kingdom. Notice how God says this is going to happen. He's going to put the right words, His words, in your mouth, and He's going to cover you with the shadow of His hand. So it's His words in your mouth, but if those words are going to be spoken from this side of heaven towards Him, okay, they're going to be spoken by you and me. And listen to me, if they're not spoken by you and me, then God will not be able to plant the heavens. God will not be able to lay foundations upon the earth, and he will not be able to say to people, you, you are my people, in other words, come, come to me, come be born again, come be in my family, All right? So when we talk about what shall we say to these things. It's, it's not just like a good thing to practice, it's, it's necessary if anything's ever going to change. Nothing will change in your life that needs to change if what you're saying about it and have been saying about it never changes. If you keep saying what you have right now, you will keep getting more and more of the same. Because what you're eating, what you, what you have right now in your life, the plate of food, so to speak, in your life that you're eating right now or <laughs> crow, whatever, it, it's on that plate right now because of things you've said previously to this moment in your life. Are you seeing this? All right, let's go to James. Praise God. James chapter 3. Now, our brother James, he got some revelation on on this. I go back to the resistance that I, I mentioned earlier when we started over this subject and how people fight against this. Um, so obviously, there's the, there's the resistance, but it comes back to something we've we've talked about on different occasions in our time together, and that's the idea that um, to, to really believe what the Bible says about this um, puts some responsibility on us, right? <laughs> and as Keith Moore says, folks today are looking for a, they always have been for that matter, they're looking for a no-fault religion. And what he means by that expression, and I love that expression, is that they're looking for some version or some form of godliness um, where they can blame God, the devil, or both on everything that happens in their life on this earth or what have you. Meaning what? That either God or the devil is responsible, but we're not. In other words, people are looking to absolve themselves of any responsibility for the outcomes that they experience in their lives. But remember, who holds the variables? We hold the variables. God is the constant Our response to him is the variable. Are you seeing this? One plus X equals whatever X is. And God is the one in this equation. And we're the X. More importantly, our response is the X. Okay? So a wrong response plus God is still going to equal a wrong result in your life. I mean, obviously, he's graceful and merciful. I'm not trying to leave that out. I'm just trying to make the simple point here. But when we respond to situations in our lives in an accurate way... Now, see... We have the variable to to get mad, throw a fit, stomp off, okay? Um, Some of you listening to me right now are uh, part of a 12-month recovery program. Um, I'm not saying every person in this room, but I would guarantee that some, if not a lot of people in this room, um, you've had plenty of opportunities to turn your back on what god is trying to do in your life through the foundry you just didn't take any of those opportunities in other words you wanted to leave you wanted to walk away you wanted to quit you had that option that was your that variable was in your hand okay you you decided to to say you know what god i'm gonna stay another day (laughs) i'm gonna hang in here at least another week i'm gonna gonna give it one more month you know what one more face whatever okay but notice now that that's and certainly, you've been in this program long enough to know folks who, who turned around and walked off. And and but see that they held that variable, you know. Father God led them to, to that place, made it. First of all, let's let's just back way on up from that. God, Father God, built that place so it would be there um, twenty years later when somebody needed it. Okay. Um, but the variable is he. You know, you you can choose to to, to do whatever you you know choose to do with that. So, see, people don't. People try to run from that. See, I told you this when I explained this in greater detail in in previous classes. When somebody explained to me that there was something I could do to make a difference in my life by faith according to the Word of God, that was one of the best days of my life to to know that there were things I could plant, there were things I could do by faith, there were things I could confess by faith that, that would make a positive difference in in my life reality and in my situations and other people's realities and other people's situations. Again, and it, it, it took me a long time. I was, I was actually in the ministry teaching and preaching these things before I finally realized not everybody wanted to hear it. I was shocked. I was like, what? You, you... You know, first of all, you're going to lose this argument if you say this in Scripture because it's, it's throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. But the fact that, you know, the bigger idea is what in the world? Why, are you, why is this bad news to you? This is good news. All right. So, look, James chapter 3. And we're going to look at quite a few verses here. Let's begin at verse number 2. Notice, first of all, what he says. He says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word... He is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Okay? Now, let's let's come back over here. Okay? Do you realize what he's just saying right here? He's saying that if you can learn to control what you say, you'll have no problem controlling any other part of yourself. Self-control, right? Right? If you, can, if you can learn to, uh, you know, with God's help, get a hold of what you're saying, right, that will put you in a position to where you will never stumble again. For for someone who may be watching or listening or in the room right now that has ever struggled with addiction, let me, let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying if you can learn to control what you say, you'll never relapse. You'll never stumble. You'll never even, like, you know... Have a bump in the road, so to speak. Say so we, we, you hear this and you're like, "There's no that that has nothing to do with anything, Pastor Mark. What I say has nothing to do with whether or not I ever go back to alcohol or not." But I didn't say it. You know, it's like, do you mean to tell me? No, I am not telling you. God is telling you. Your Creator Father is telling you. He said, "Look, people stumble." for all kinds of reasons in many different areas. But if you can learn to not stumble in what you say, you will be a complete person, a complete man, and you will be able to bridle the whole body. Yowza, man. Now, he's going to go further with this. Indeed. So he's like, for sure. This this is, you know, they were such an uh, agricultural farming type, you know, uh, uh, society, whatever, you know. People, it was, they didn't have cars to jump into. They bridled horses. It was a, you know, means of travel, this sort of thing. So he says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Okay? Now, verse number 4, look also at ships. So he's given us horses. Now he's given us ships. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Verse 5. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. So, let's, let me come back over here. It's kind of funny because I, I do this thinking y'all can't see me unless the people online can see me. And I realize, like, okay, let me come back so you can see me. I'm like, oh, y'all looking at me, right? So, anyway, so and I don't, I don't know how many years I will do this before I, anyway, but we, we'll figure it out. All right. So, oh, praise God. Let me, let me I want to keep reading, but let's talk for a minute because I want to make sure you get this, okay? Um. <clears throat> How great a matter a little fire kindles. So just saying a word or two um, about a situation, something inappropriate, uh, I'm, I'm sure nobody in this room and I, <laughs> other than me um, has ever found themselves in small situations or large situations to where you've said things Maybe you meant, well, maybe you didn't. Maybe um, it was taken out of context. Maybe you could have done a better job communicating it. Or maybe you were just in a bad mood that day and wanted to give somebody a piece of your mind. How do you give them a piece of your mind? By words. Okay. And next thing you know, that those few words have kindled some raging fire, you know, that's all kinds of other people have gotten caught up into it, Right? And again, it starts with words that come out of a person's mouth. Right, let me finish this. We're going to come back and talk about the horse and the ship. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire. Now, it is a fire. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. Okay, the course of nature. This, this is... Um, he's talking about the, the course that, that a thing or a person... Will actually take and is set on fire by hell. See, the devil is the one who wants to use your tongue as a weapon against you and against other people. Verse seven: For every kind of beast and bird, or of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue; it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless. Our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude, likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Okay? Now, Sets on fire the course of nature. When he says that the tongue is like a bit in the horse's mouth, okay? So you got that, right? You put a bit in the horse's mouth, the reins are attached to either side of the bit, and if you want the horse to go right, you apply a little bit of pressure to the right rein which puts pressure on the horse's mouth and the horse tries to relieve that pressure and so he turns his head to relieve the pressure and when he turns his head, he turns the horse. The horse changes course, of course, and the man is, I couldn't resist, but the man on the back is the one who has the reins. The reins are attached to the bridle. The bridle changes the direction of the horse by applying pressure to the horse's mouth. You got that? Okay, he also makes a comparison uh, of size, in the sense that the horse is very large. Could be a big stallion, strong, you know, uh, you know, aggressive, big. um, But just that little bitty bit in its mouth is enough to direct it wherever the person holding the reins um, would like for it to go. Then he gives the Holy Spirit through through James gives us the example of a a large boat or a ship and he says that that ship though it's very large and you know currents and waves and even the winds that would try to push that ship off course um, again something very small compared to the size of the ship it's a rudder and the rudder is underneath that ship and it's attached not to reins but to a wheel okay and when the governor, the captain of the ship, turns the wheel, it turns the rudder underneath the boat. Now, here's another very important connection. When the rudder turns, notice what's happening now. Again, pressure is involved here. Pressure is being applied to the water. As long as the, as the, as the rudder is in alignment with the boat, the rudder is cutting through the water just, just like the boat is cutting through the water. But when the rudder turns... Now, it's not cutting smoothly through the water, but pressure is being applied to the rudder, which ultimately turns the entire ship in a different direction. Are you seeing this? So, you know, what does the horse and the ship have in common? What does the bit and the bridle have in common? What does the governor and the rider of the horse holding the reins have in common? He's talking about something relatively small compared to something very big, something really insignificant by comparison to something very powerful okay that can alter the course of that ship or that horse by simply applying pressure and he's saying that your tongue the words that come out of your mouth is exactly like that as it relates to your life and your life reality it seems very small it seems very insignificant. It doesn't seem like it's that really big of a deal, or if it's or that it's that important. Yet in the same way, the bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder underneath the great ship is able to change and alter and, and determine and reset the course um, of, of the ship and the horse. He says your tongue can do the same thing. So what we're really seeing here from the Holy Spirit, both here and other places in the Bible, but what we're seeing here is that the words that come out of your mouth determine the course that your life follows. Okay? It determines the course that your life follows. So what you say... Now, watch this. Um, Let's say uh, the captain of the big ship, he wants to turn it. Okay? And, and, uh, obviously it's, uh, you know, we got modern vessels now today and it's all computerized. And so now if the ship, the captain wanted to turn it, he'd probably just change the course in the computer, you know, and, and watch it turn. But think with me, and I know you probably have all seen one, you know, these, uh, uh, captain's wheels off of, a uh, uh, an, an old ship and, um, and, and they're large. Okay. Because the, the, you got to put some pressure on it, right? Um, it's, it's hard to put a lot of pressure on. Think about trying to open a jar lid that's, that's, that's stuck, okay? So the captain's wheels are normally very large, and they have uh, not just spokes that connect them um, uh, to the axle, but they also have handles all around the wheel that stick out on it. You, you got the imagery. You probably had it already, okay? That's because, you know, in those older ships, the captain would have to grab hold of that and pull hard against it to turn that rudder. And a lot of times they would pull hard against it and tie a rope around it and then tie that wheel in the new position because it takes a minute or two for that. When I say a minute or two, it could take even longer than that depending on how big the ship is for the ship to actually turn and change its course. So what would happen if the captain turned it right and then let go of the wheel it would swing back right back around in that position so he has to apply the pressure and then maintain the pressure if the course is ever going to change so one of the reasons that people are very critical of this teaching from the bible is you'll hear them say something like this i tried that faith confession stuff and it didn't work for me okay well first of all um you didn't try it it tried you you yes, what I'm saying? Any, anything that God says is is eternal and established, you don't try it. You know, as Yoda says, what is it? May the fourth be with you today. May the fourth any Star Wars fans in the room. Right, so, so, you know, so, you know, Yoda said it best. You know, he, he said, no such thing as try, do or do not. I mean, you either do it or you don't. OK, but but what happens is, you know. This is, and by the way, this is spiritual warfare. This is, this is what it means to fight the good fight of faith. It's when you know that God has a better course for your life, and the words that you've been speaking up until this point have charted a course for your life in a direction that you no longer want to go in, and so you decide you're going to change course, and you're going to do so by changing what's coming out of your mouth. You can't say it a few times and expect your world to revolutionize in front of you, right? This is going. You're going to have to continue to apply pressure to that situation situation. And yes.
1: Sorry. I've, I've been studying Luke 11 all day today. So immediately following the Lord's prayer, he he gives them the little, you know, those humorous things about the snake and the scorpion and, and, and you know. But I, um, the gist of it was, you know, be persistent, right? So um, you know, like he said uh, the friend that goes to his friend's door just mm-hmm. knocking and so he said, "All right, fine, what do you, you know, here you go." Okay. Have them, right. So but that's that's in that's in a relation to prayer, right? Now we're talking about speaking things. So so here, here's my question: Is like um, this, this idea? Because you know, I'm not a concept guy, right? So it's still too concepty for me. Okay, uh, when we're at, when we're speaking the same thing over and over and over again, is it uh, for, when it manifests? Is that ultimately because we um, because of our persistency, or was that is that ultimately going to happen? I don't know. Is that is it, is it bound to happen anyway? Because we keep speaking it. Or is that God granting or God manifesting it for us because we kept speaking it? I mean, I'm
0: sorry. Hold on. So faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, okay? Uh, Every person that's ever been born on planet Earth, God has given to, to those men and women, those individuals, the measure of faith, okay? The measure of faith inside of a person is awakened and aroused and strengthened and brought to the surface in their life by hearing the anointed spoken word of God. So the woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says, she said within herself continually, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. So when we talk about a faith confession, we talk about saying what God says about our situation, Okay, it's twofold. His word is the hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. His word is the sword of the spirit. His Anyway, we won't go through that whole long list. Um, But the more I speak the word, right, the more it gets inside of me, the more real it becomes, the more um, uh, I begin to see things different and, and, and it creates this inward image inside of me. Of, uh, of, of victory and breakthrough. The Bible says that um, Abraham had already received Isaac raised from the dead in a figure. He had, he, his faith was at such a level and he, he had glorified God over his promises to the point that now they became so real inside of him that he couldn't see it turning out any other way. Okay, this is what it means to be in faith. This is what it means to be fully persuaded. And when you're in faith, you're at rest. If you are not at rest, okay, then you are not in faith. That's not Pastor Mark. That's what the Bible says, okay? So a lot of times the, 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 the spiritual warfare in fighting the good fight of faith is when, you know, let's go back to the situation with my foot, right? Uh, my foot's hurting. The Bible says my foot's healed. All right. So I've got this conflict right, between how it looks, seems, and feels versus what the Word of God says it is. Now, the pain, uh, I say constant, you know, it, would, it would get more intense at times and less intense at other. But it, it really, uh, unless I took some type of Tylenol or something like that, um, it, it never really dissipated for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Okay, And so my foot's constantly talking to me. Right. It's constantly telling me that I'm not healed. And so the enemy is wanting me to think that it's not healed, that it's not ever going to heal. He wants me to agree with the pain in my foot. He wants me to express emotions. right? So fed up with this, can't be, you know, right? He's, all this other stuff. See, um, and ultimately in things that I say that agree with, the symptoms and the diagnosis of my foot. all right? But I wanna change this. I, I wanna go a different direction. I, I do not want to live the rest of my life with some type of uh, medical device in my shoe so that I can stand on my feet and, you know, without excruciating pain, right? So I wanna change this. So what am I gonna start saying? Well, there's different things. One of the things the Lord told me to say was that how beautiful are the feet of them who bring glad tidings of good news, you know, a, a preacher, you know, and so I began to speak to my foot using that particular passage. Um, of course, First Peter 2, 24, by his stripes, you were healed, so if I were healed, I am healed, right? So I begin to to just speak these things, and and when my foot were hurt, and I was like, it's, it's never going to get better, because that's you know That's what the devil is saying. That's what my foot's saying. That's what the devil wants me to think. It's what he wants me to believe. It's what he wants me to say. He wants that to be what determines my emotions. Because if you think about that in a wrong way, it's going to influence and affect the emotions. The emotions going to come out in words, and it's going to be doubt and unbelief, and it's just going to keep me headed down the path that I'm already on. So I'm going to change that path. So I'm going to start applying pressure to the situation with the Word of God, and, and, and then when the negative thoughts come, when the doubt and unbelief rises up in my heart, I'm going to bring that thought captive by saying, take no thought by saying, I'm going to say out of my mouth that I'm healed, and the Word says I'm healed, and I don't go by... How it looks, seems, and feels. I go by what the Word of God says. All right. So this is something that went on for a week or two, maybe longer. I don't have the exact time. So foot's still hurting, right? But notice I'm, I am doing the best that I can to consistently apply the pressure of God's Word and truth to this situation. Then I came to that moment that you've heard me talk about before. And, and I, don't know, I don't know how to say this. Um, I can say it in an unknown tongue, but I'm going to do my best to say it in a known tongue so you'll understand at least in part. But only the Holy Spirit can help you connect with this, all right? But there comes a point when it explodes inside of you. There comes a point to where foot may be hurting worse than it's ever hurt before, but that doesn't matter. You know. You you just know. It it. Um, Jesse Duplantis says that it it goes off in him like a shotgun. Okay, and that's what happened to me. That see, I tell that story about. You know, my foot, I give you the, the Reader's Digest abbreviated version of this, you know, where it just sounds so spiritual. And, you know, I just, you know, I just decided one day that my foot's telling me one thing and Bible's telling me something else. And and somebody's lying. And so I'm just I'm going with God. He's telling the truth and my foot's lying. OK, but I, I, I didn't reach that moment overnight. That's when it ex- that's when it went off inside of me. Right. Um, and, and that's when I said, <laughs> you know what, devil? Uh-uh. Uh, I, I, no. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. Okay. So, so that that you understand. So, but the, every every moment in between, um, you know, the diagnosis. Really, before the diagnosis, because I, I went for a long time with it, hurting me, and didn't you didn't go to the doctor. Just whatever. And then to get the diagnosis, and you know it's serious, and the bones are broken, and so forth and so on. And and even when they heal up, blah blah blah, you know. And um, it's it's the shape of your foot, it's this, it's that, you know. Um, and at that point, I was I was um, really into running and that sort of thing. You know, you can't run, sir. You're going to, have to do something, blah, blah blah. And and so um, I, maybe I've spent way too much time on this, but I'm just I'm trying to. Yeah, I got a lot of ground to cover, so be quick, please, please, please.
1: Okay, so the shotgun? Yes. The pressure yes. makes the bullet come out of the gun? So if you keep speaking it. that's applying pressure until you have that shotgun
0: on? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, remember, but I'm not talking to both sides of my mouth. Listen to me. The Bible says, when you pray, believe you've already received, and whatever you believe, you will have so he's talking about believing you have it before it's in your bank account, before it's parked in your garage, before your foot quits hurting. Now, on the surface, that, that sounds, okay, yeah, I got that already. Okay. But it's getting to that point. And, of course, the more time you stay in the Word, the more time you spend listening to the Word, the more time you spend in God's presence, right? You, you, you can either feed your faith and your faith will grow, or you can feed the doubt and and unbelief and the, and that will grow and it comes with setting the mind setting the mind is a speaking of a deliberate intentional act um, it's it's you know believing what God says and this is this is where the fighting the good fight of faith but then you get you you get to that point to where it's like okay and that's when you you still haven't experienced the breakthrough but at that point it's like it goes from um, it, it goes to, like, so, you know, checks in the mail, you ever heard that one, right? So, like, when you're really expecting, and you, like, run to the mailbox every day to see, because you think every time you open that mailbox, the check's going to be right there staring you in the face, right? So I started I started waking up not to see if my foot was still hurting, but to see if my foot had quit hurting, because I'm like, man, if... <laughs> If it ain't quit hurting this morning, it, it won't be, it, you know. It's, in other words, it was a done deal as far as I was concerned. I, I, I should, maybe I should have mentioned this. I, I, I cut some things last week. Again, we're, we're getting close to the end here. Um, and there's so many other things that I'm trying to get to. So I didn't mean to be like aggressive there. I'm just, I'm so excited. Um, I'm, and, you know, but one of the simple ways the Holy Spirit showed me, because what does it mean to believe you've already received? Before you you actually experience the results or have the results in, in your hands, and um, the Lord did we talk about Roundup in here? Yes. So the weed killer Roundup. Some point we at some point we talked about that, right? And 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 so obviously there's a lot more to that than we took the time to explain. But you know when you release your faith, right? And that's that to me is the you know not. Not every time we confess the word, how do I say this? As we confess the word by faith, but, you know, this idea that, that you know, say it a few times and it changes, see, that's, that's turning the wheel and letting the wheel go right back, okay? And, and so what comes out of your mouth is not just changing what it is that you're speaking to, it's changing you on the inside. And, and if, you, if you've never done this, right, I mean... Like you know next time there's foul weather, th- threat of tornado, you know, you know walk out in your front yard and speak and speak to it. It's a little bit awkward yeah. until you uh, you know because it's like man what if somebody sees me you know what I'm saying again um so but but you you have to you you've got to keep put applying the pressure right you've got to keep developing this part uh of you said last week, quit telling God what the problem is and tell the problem what God said. <clears throat> that's it, yeah, brother. Yeah. That's that's exactly it. And, and calling it prayer. That's what a lot of people do. They just tell God what the problem said and, and call that prayer. And, also, and you
1: just already had the faith that the problem
0: took care of before you even had to start praying about it? Or well, I mean, yeah, in, in, in and in a, I guess, what do you say, in a perfect world, but, you know, um, that's that's the other thing, and I, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. But you know, we, we kind of live in a, in a in a day and time in the church world where we're supposed to like pretend like we're all faith ninjas and we get it right every time and we never miss God, and and, 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 and that's simply not the case. I mean, we're, we're I'll, I'll say this, and I'm not I'm, this is not being uh, uh, you know falsely humble or self deprecating or whatever like that. I, I consider myself a beginner. In, 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 in the whole idea of faith and speaking to mountains and, and, and that sort of thing, okay? Um, well, you know, I, I, don't, I'm not, I didn't tell you that to make you feel, I didn't, I, again, I wasn't trying to like, act like I'm you know, some self, you know, whatever. But, um, but you know, it's, it's when we think we know and we don't that we're in a really bad position, right? Yeah. And so, you know, stay childlike, stay humble, um, stay teachable. Um, and, and so, um, you know, it does no good to, to pretend like we're in a place that we're not yet. And, and I, th- I think when the man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief was, it was such a, a, an important prayer. That's not to excuse unbelief in our hearts, but, you know, to understand that we're growing and developing, um, the standard, by the way, is doing what Jesus did. So when I say I'm a beginner, right, the standard is the works that he did, I will do also in even greater works. And um, so, amen. Um, praise God. All right, let me just keep going here. All right. So uh, I mentioned something similar to this a moment ago, but remember, we were created by God to work and operate in particular way he works and operates. And so this... Uh, Aspect of our creation uh, is uh, critical to understand. Now, I want you to go with me to First Corinthians chapter ten. This is where I hope, I, I pray that what I've said up to this point is, is it is it making is it making sense to you? I mean, maybe you've never heard anything like this before, it's so um, but it's 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 so important. But What what we're going to get into in the time we have remaining uh, this evening, we've got about uh, forty minutes left, is I want to, and it ties in with some of the conversation we were having before um, we started live streaming uh, class tonight, and and that has to do with the inward realities of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life, in other words. What God has put in you, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 that you have a treasure in your earthen vessel. A treasure in your earthen vessel. Anybody want to take a wild guess at what your earthen vessel is? It's your body, body, right? Because what what was it made from? It was made from the dust of the ground. And so God has put His treasure inside of this uh, vessel made from the earth, made from the dirt. Okay? So you have a treasure in your earthen vessel. And discipleship is about unearthing that treasure. That's one of the titles, by the way, unearthing the hidden treasure within you. Okay? So we have this, this treasure that God put in us through the new birth, these realities um, of the new birth. Uh, let, me, let me just mention a couple of realities of the new birth. The Bible says you are an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus. That's a new birth reality. The Bible says you were recreated by God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and true holiness is a new birth reality. Um, You have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's a new birth reality. How about this one? As he is, so are we in this world. It's a new birth reality okay and again i could go on and on and on and will in the days to come and hopefully before much longer in book form okay but these these are the new birth realities realities of new birth but you see a lot of folks have no idea what's true about them because they've been born again they have no idea what's now in them because they have been born again and so the 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 purpose and goal of discipleship is for these inward realities, spirit realities of the new birth to become outward expressions of life, meaning something that you get to experience and enjoy in your life reality and something that other people can benefit from and, and ultimately something that glorifies God, okay? So, you know, this, this, for instance, the inward reality of the new birth, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, You were made that and you became that and you are that, amen, not because you earned it, deserved it, lived up to it, were good enough to to become it, but because God gave that to you as a gift. That's an inward reality of your new birth. But there are a lot of people who are just as righteous as Jesus is, okay, because they've been born of his seed but they do not live that. They're not experiencing that righteousness and enjoying that righteousness and living out that righteousness in their natural life reality. It's in them, okay, but it has yet to become an outward expression, something that they are experiencing, enjoying, they're benefiting from, other people are benefiting from, and God's being glorified by. Does that make sense? I kind of went through that rather quick, right? Okay, so let's... um, Thank you, Jesus. Let's... uh, Let's do this let's go to first Corinthians chapter 10 first Corinthians chapter 10 from from time to time things that that we talk about here and talk about in other classes kind of intersect and and sometimes that's just because that's what the Holy Spirit's breathing on in my life and and it just spills out but other times it's it really has nothing to do it's just it's just the way it worked out. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit wasn't involved in it um, but you know this is related to what you know, we've been talking about on Wednesdays, like, for, for example, those of you who are at Heritage on Sunday that are also a part of the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning classes. Um, it w- it wasn't planned that we wound up, you know, we're becoming a threat to addiction when we're talking about worship. And then I just so happen to be teaching on that subject as, a, as an extension of a larger subject and series here at Heritage. And, but again, so here we are, all right. So First 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 1. Let me... Um, Let's, let's go through these and I'll come back and, and, and we'll, we'll make sense of it with the Holy Spirit's help. He says this, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware um, that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, um, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Okay? Now, don't keep reading, read it later, but you're going to see that this sounds like we're, it's, it's got some really happy ending, but you're going to find out real quick, like, that despite God doing all these things, that God was not well pleased with His people, and, um, and because of it, their, ba- their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And they never made it to God's best life for them because he brought them out of slavery in Egypt so that he might bring them in to their best life in the promised land. Now, when it says that he might bring them in, it's not be- it's not because God wasn't able to bring them in. Um, him, His ability to bring them in was based upon their willingness to trust him and follow him in. And of course, we know that that first generation failed in that regard. But I want to go back... Um, to this, these four verses for a different purpose uh, this evening, okay? When he says um, that they were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Um, in the desert, it gets very hot during the day time, and it gets very cold at night. Um, drastic temperature changes in the desert. So, God Himself became a shadow for them in the daytime, and He became fire for them at night. In both instances, there was not just the shade for the cool, um, but it was a covering. It represented a covering for them. And if you understand that they were to follow that cloud, they were to stay under the cloud because that was how God was back to this whole direction of your life course that our lives follow. And the same true of the fire. The fire not only kept them warm, but it provided light for them. It also gets very dark in the desert at night, cold. Um, And we know fire also does what? It keeps away predators. And so God is their covering. He's directing them. He's cooling them. He's overshadowing them. He's illuminating them. He's warming them um, with this uh, uh, cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And we also know, of course, that, um, that, that when they passed through the sea, okay, we know that God, of course, was with them. Now, file this away in your hearts and minds because we'll come back to it in a few weeks. okay? But when he says they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, this doesn't mean that along the way when God parted the Red Sea, that Moses was baptizing people into the wall of water, okay? Um, And how do you baptize somebody in a cloud, okay? What he's talking about here, we think of baptism as the ceremony where you're immersed under the water. The greater understanding of baptism is an experience that would mark you for life. And because these folks experienced what they experienced following God's leader for them, Moses, it made an impression upon them. It marked them in a way that they would never forget. It 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 and so that's why it's saying that they were baptized into this. So later in Galatians 3, when we talk about the new birth, it's gonna say that we were baptized into Christ. And so I want you to remember this. He's not just talk obviously water baptism is important, but being baptized into Christ is not just talking about water baptism. It's talking about what you have experienced in Christ that has, again, marked you for the rest of your life. He also says, and this is really what I want us to key in on now, he says that they all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, the water flowed from a rock. This is not just a type and shadow of Jesus who is our rock and source of living water, but it's also back to treasure in an earthen vessel and Father wanting to bring the treasure inside of you out from the earth that is your outward body. Okay. Now, we see that they also ate spiritual food, the Bible says. It was manna, okay? And um I believe we'll get to taste it, eat it in heaven. I don't know. I'd like to try it. Um the Bible said it was it was sweet to the taste, kinda like honey. Um, it's kind of a wafer and melted in your mouth. I, I kinda picture something like a um, some type of small wafer that had a, a sweet taste. You know if God if it was spiritual food to nourish a physical body, that it had the right I mean, if there's ever you know everybody's talking about the perfect food, you know. Yeah, you know like a like a tortilla <laughs> okay but a tortilla that would have the perfect balance of vitamins and minerals and uh carbohydrates and proteins and amino acids and branch chain this and all that right all these healthy things i believe it was literally the perfect food um, for uh, these folks to eat but the bible refers to it as spiritual food and spiritual drink now if you miss this part Um, you're going to be kind of lagging behind in in what we're going to build on this. So really try to get tuned in here because I want you to see something. He says it was spiritual food and spiritual drink, but it was at the same time something that they could pick up with their hands. It had substance, physical material substance to it. It was something they could put in their mouths, chew up and swallow, put in a cup and drink, okay, that satisfied their hunger and quenched their thirst. And yet, at the same time, the Bible says it was spiritual. Okay? Now, follow this very carefully. It It was spiritual food, but it had physical substance. It satisfied their hunger, but it was not grown. It was not developed. It was not processed. It was not cooked naturally. This was the food that came directly out of heaven to feed them. So what do we have here? We have an example of something that began as a spiritual substance that took upon itself a physical form. It came from the the spirit realm, passed over into the physical realm. So physical food that had a spiritual origin. Now we have, obviously God is behind the ability to plant a seed, grow corn, you know, cook it, these kinds of things. But that's not how this food came to exist. This food came directly from a spiritual source and, and, and took upon itself physical form, all right? Now, go with me to Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 33. So we mentioned these verses a time or two before class. I think we've mentioned them once or twice during class. And so here we go. Jesus says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Okay. Now let me stop right here. The the context of this is Jesus trying to speak to and give uh, wisdom and correction to the religious leaders. And on the outside, they looked and had the appearance of righteousness. But Jesus knew their heart because his father had revealed their hearts to him. And he knew that inwardly they were filled with not with righteousness, but with wickedness. And, and at one point he said they, it's like they were full of dead men's bones. They were like a, an above-ground tomb that was painted and beautiful on the outside, but inwardly they were full of death and decay. And so they were sending mixed signals to people, and it was confusing people. And Jesus said, look, it's, it's time to choose one or the other. Um, And so that's what he's saying. Make the tree good and its fruit good. Where does the fruit that comes upon the branches of a tree come from? It's it's not a trick question. It comes from inside the tree. It comes from inside the tree out. In other words, fruit on a tree is an outward expression of an inward reality. It's, it's, It's what's, you know, an apple tree is not going to produce lemons because the inward reality of the apple tree is it's an apple tree in the dead of winter when it looks like you need to cut it down and burn it. You know, it's, but then all of a sudden, spring comes, it's reactivated, and next thing you know, it starts pushing leaves, then blossoms, and then fruit out of its branches. Outward expression <coughs> of an inward reality. So he's saying that these religious leaders are sending mixed signals because a tree is ultimately known by its fruit. So notice what he keeps going here. He says, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. All right? Now, there's a lot to cover here. I'm going to try to focus in on what is applicable to what's in my notes to try to get to you in the time we have remaining, All right? When he says a good man... again, a good tree, a good man, like a good tree, brings good fruit from within itself outward, okay? He says that a human being works the same way. We were designed by God for what's in us to be on display, right, Uh, on the outside of us for the fruit and the inward reality uh, that's true of us as newborn again as 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 new creations in Christ as born again believers for there to be fruit on us outwardly expressing this inward reality and so he says that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things now what a lot of people look at this and 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 they misunderstand and you break it all down He's not saying that a good man says good things. He's saying that a good man brings forth from the treasure that's inside of him by using right words. It's the words that bring forth the things. It's the words that bring forth the things. It's the words that bring forth that which is in you, the fruit that is in you right now, the potential Right, every apple tree has the potential to produce apples. I mean, I guess you know they got the ornamental ones. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. In other words, uh, it has that potential within it. Okay. So, in the same way, every born again person, because let's go back to it. Notice treasure. You have a treasure where in an earthen vessel. Okay. Now, do I need to remind you? Let's go. Let's go to Luke 17 now. Praise God. I'll put it up on the screen. Luke 17, 20 and 21. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is where? It's where? The kingdom of God is within you. You know what? words the Holy Spirit gave me a month or so ago, I guess weeks or so ago um, for that, it's a new birth reality. It's a new birth reality. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, anybody remember our kingdom overview? The kingdom of God is the rule of God, the reign of God, the resources of God. Remember how the kingdom was Jesus' main subject? He taught on the kingdom throughout His earthly ministry. He died, He rose again, He spent um, 40 days uh, with um, his uh, disciples explaining more and more to them about the kingdom. Just about every parable Jesus began, he began by saying, The kingdom of heaven is like, okay? So the kingdom is Jesus' main message. He didn't come to start a new religion. He didn't come to start a branch of an existing religion. He came to bring His Father's kingdom to the earth. If you've been born again, you're a citizen of that kingdom, but it's more than that. If you've been born again, you have been given the kingdom, and God's kingdom is in you. Every miracle Jesus performed on this earth, He performed with God's kingdom. He did it through the authority, the power, and the resources of God's kingdom. As I said with all sincerity, I live in government housing. I live in kingdom government housing. And in other words, every good thing in my life is, is a manifestation of God's kingdom within me. Amen. Amen. Oh, I want to just going on and on about kingdom, all right? So I, I come back to that now, though. All right, got to give you one more. I've got this one, okay? Matthew 13, 52 from the message translation. I hit the wrong button, okay? He said... Then you see how every student well-trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. Let me give you the context if you've forgotten. Okay? Matthew 13, Jesus goes back to back to back to back to back to back. I forget how many. It's six, seven, or eight parables in a row, one after the other, after the other, after the other, and at the end of the final parable in Matthew 13, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, "Okay, guys, you got all this, you got it." And they're going, "Yes, sir, Jesus." I smell a hamburger cooking somewhere. Let's go get one, right? You know, they they're like, "Yes, sir." And Jesus said, "Okay, so do do you really have it?" He says, "Because let me tell you, when you'll know you got it, okay, you'll know you got it because every student well trained in the kingdom." is like the owner of a general store who can put their hand on anything that anybody needs, old or new, anytime they need it. Think about what he's saying right there. See, people came to Jesus for healing, but not just some generic form of healing. There were people who came to Jesus needing eyeballs. There were people came to Jesus needing, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 their arm, new arms, arms. straight. I mean, just, you know, miracle after miracle after miracle. Anything that they needed, anytime they needed it, Jesus had access to it, right? Not because of the Old Testament model of a prophet that was given a portion of God's because everything you see in the Old Testament, miracles, you know, you know Old Testament prophets multiplied food. People were hungry. There's another classic one. Um, where were you when I need you, Brian? There, he was helping me back there, right? Okay. There's another one, right? Where, where'd all that, how about the fish after they fished all night and caught nothing and Jesus said on the other side of the boat, listen now dim dare fish were spiritual fish. they, they came out of heaven they, they had they were real fish but they came from a spiritual origin. Are you following me? that's what I believe anyways yeah obviously God could have you know just spooked a school of fish in their nets but I tend to think it was more than that It's okay with you you can believe other than that, all right? But how about all them food that were so hungry that day? Where did all that food came from? came from the same place all that manna came from, okay? It's God's kingdom, okay? And yes, I agree, okay? But, it, but we got to start doing this. It's not just up there now. It's in us, right? It's in us. See, when Jesus fed all those people, guess what? That was an outward expression of an inward reality within him. Breaking the bread. Breaking the bread. How about telling the fever that was about to kill Peter's mother-in-law? I rebuke you. Get, get out of here. You have no right to be here. Leave her. And it obeyed him. He spoke to that fever, and that fever left him. Left her, okay? And left him too, left his presence. All right? So nothing, we 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 kind of easing on out there. This is this is a little different, all right? But but it's you I'm reading scripture now, okay? Every student well-trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. Okay? Now, remember what James said. He said the tongue is set on fire with the fires from hell. All right? Anybody remember what symbol God used to designate the first group of 120 born-again men and women baptized in His Holy Spirit. Anybody remember flaming a flaming... That breaks me down, man. He put a tongue on fire. <laughs> I mean, it's like God. Did you not consult any ad advertising agencies? I mean, did you did you not check with Fiverr or some designer? A, a, a tongue on fire, really, God? You know, I mean, think of all the things. I mean, you know, I mean, think, you know what I'm saying. I mean, all the all the symbols. You know, uh, maybe a like for Jesus, it was a dove. Why not? Why didn't a dove land on them like it landed on Jesus or what? You are No, 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 no. See, see, God's what is God saying? God's saying. I finally got the tongue set on fire from hell away from the devil, and I've just put my fire in these men and women, and now their tongues are set on fire by me, and they're speaking words that I'm giving them to speak in a language they don't even know. And we we fixed a shaw sure enough set some things on fire here on this on this planet. Are you seeing this? Right? Now I'm gonna give you a list, and I'll, I'm gonna just i am i am just going to swap over here, and we're gonna stay with it. Um, I'm tempted to do this next week, but I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna do it now. All right. I'm, I'm gonna give you a list of several things that. Let, let, let me, let me do this. Okay. I wanna. I gotta stay in front of this camera. Okay. I'm wanting to move around right now. I'm getting, i am just got to hold on. Okay, all right. Why unknown tongues? I said something a moment ago. I said that you'll never understand the importance and power of prayer. I don't think I said power, but you'll never understand the importance and power of prayer until you understand the importance and power of words. Okay, now watch this. If that's true of English words, or if you speak uh, another language in addition to English, if that's true of learned words, words you understand, is it less true or is it more true of words that the Holy Spirit would give you to speak in this earth's atmosphere? It's more true. In in, other words, if... If, if it's important for you to speak the words that you know, how much more important would it be for you to speak words in a language you don't understand that's given to you by the Holy Spirit? So you never understand the importance and power of prayer until you understand the power and importance of importance and power of words. The same is true when it comes to speaking and praying in an unknown tongue. So let me just let me run through a quick list here. I say quick list, not going to be quick, but we'll, we'll make it quick, okay? What do we know so far about the words that we speak? We know that death and life hinge on the words we speak. I mean, we could just stop with a list of one. I mean, that right there, enough said. I mean, if, if that's true and what we say determines death and life... Remember, death doesn't just mean no longer existing on planet Earth. Remember what death means? What's the first thing I want you to remember when I say death? Separation. 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 So the words that you speak can separate you from the life God created you to live. don't mean you'll go to hell. It just means you won't be living the best life God created you to live. The words that you speak can either connect you to that life or they can separate you from it. Okay? So death and life hinge on the words we speak. How about this one? Blessing or cursing. Chosen by the words we speak. He told us to speak life. He told us to speak blessing. Your enemy is wanting you to speak death. Words that would separate. Words that would bring destruction. Words that would coincide with his agenda for your life and the lives of other people. I'm just trying to show you, again, in a a concise, uh, not say concise, you know, uh, uh, combined, maybe a better word, because we've got <laughs> 14 of these. All right. Okay. So, blessing or cursing is chosen by the words we speak. H- how about this one right here, number three? Salvation is received by the words we speak. I mean, that's pretty important. That's pretty important. Okay. I had somebody ask me one time, they say, so if faith comes by hearing, what, what about people who are deaf? Well, people who are deaf, it's, it's, it's not just hearing with the ear. It's hearing with the heart, right? There are ways that someone who is deaf can have the Word of God communicated to them. They, they can read it, and they can, that internal voice, right, speak it to themselves. And then the same thing about what if somebody can't speak. Again, you can form the thought and, and make the communication uh, to God in those situations, all right? Now, verse, uh, verse not verse, but number four on the list, okay? We read this in a moment ago. We are justified or condemned by the words we speak. He said either by your words you will be justified or by your words you will be condemned. To, to be justified means to be declared uh, innocent. It's, its root word is um, the same word we get our in the Greek. It's the same word we get... The word righteous or righteousness from um, it's just when they're translated into english justification and righteousness don't sound anything like you know one another you know like bios in the greek and biology in the english um but yet they have the same greek greek root righteousness is referring to a state of being justification is referring to the process that declares you um uh, righteous okay now number 5 we will give an account for every idle word we speak what's idle word exactly um it would be um just a a word with no real heart intent um if if a car's idling you know you either put it in forward you can put it in reverse you can just kind of sit there and idle right and i think what he's I should have. I mean, I've got notes on all this, but I'm just trying to run through this list. But when we. T- no, no, it's a great question, and I, you know, should have commented on already. But um, for for the sake of our discussion, let's just say this. I think this verse exists for more reasons than this. But if no other reason than this, he's trying to impress upon us the importance of our words, and it's not just that. You know, we will give an account. For the words that the positive and good words that we spoke or the negative and bad words we spoke, every word, even the idle ones, even even the ones that I didn't I didn't mean nothing by that. Anybody ever said that? Why? I didn't mean anything by it. You know, well, so you still give an account for it because it's it can still start a fire. It can still turn the ship. It can still uh, alter the course or direction of your life or someone else's. Yes.
1: I, we
0: we I think that could be a good way of keeping your mouth shut when you should be speaking up. Sure, that's a, that's a good one. I like that. i never thought of that. But that's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Number six, um, the course our life follows is determined by the words we speak. Are you? Are you? I'm trying to show you how important words are. Our, the, course of our, the course of our life follows determined by the words that we speak, okay? We talk about the battlefield of the mind, number seven. Thoughts are accepted or rejected by the words we speak. Take no thought by saying, Jesus said. So when Satan brings the negative thought into our mind, we can accept it and agree with it by Speaking that same thought or something that lines up with that thought out of our mouths. Or we can reject it by speaking God's words out of our mouth. Okay? Lest we forget, number eight, mountains are moved out of our way. By the words we speak. By the words we speak. Okay? We mentioned salvation, but remember he said um, in the same way that you received him, walk in him. So number nine is we, receiving from God involves the words we speak. Remember, faith receives what grace is already given. And you know, a confession of faith and, and, and speaking these things. So receiving from God involves the words that we speak. Number ten... This is huge. Temptations are overcome by the words we speak. Now, in the same way death and life (laughs) hinges on the words we speak, Um, I chose to just say they're overcome, but they can also be uh, uh, undertaken. (laughs) In other words, we we can, uh, instead of being victorious over the temptation, we can cave into it. Uh, based upon the words that we speak. Remember when Jesus was tempted, how did he uh, defend himself against the devil? It is written, it is written, it is written, okay? Um, 11 and 12 are related, so I'm going and put them up there. Um, what's bound in heaven is bound on earth by the words we speak. And what is allowed in heaven is allowed on earth, again, by the words that we speak. Jesus said to us, whatever you bind on earth, having already been bound in heaven, right? Will be bound on earth. Whatever you allow on earth that's already allowed in heaven will be allowed on earth. That's uh, what Matthew 17, 17, Matthew 18 and 19. So you can't bind and loose effectively without using words. Um, Number 13. Threats in our environment are altered by the words that we speak. So Jesus spoke to storms, destructive weather patterns. Um, you know, things. When I say in our environment, I'm I'm trying to paint with a broad brush there. What does the Bible say about two or three um, who gather in His name? He's in the midst, and what? happens when we begin to praise him the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people the literal um, translation of that is that when we begin to praise him our praise creates a throne in our midst for him to come and sit upon so have you ever walked into a room and you didn't hear anybody arguing You, you didn't see anybody arguing but you knew somebody had been like it, you, as they say, that the atmosphere was so thick you could cut it with a knife. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. See, what we say and, and things that we do and how we say them, it, it'll, it'll, it affects the atmosphere, the environment around us, either for the good or uh, for, for the bad. How many okay. Say we're 14? 14. Where are we? Oh, we're on 13. All right. Yeah. So, 14. The riches of our Father's kingdom become a reality by the words we speak the riches of our father's kingdom become a reality by the words we speak okay so here's this one and then we'll finish for tonight so given the importance of our words does it not make sense that the Holy Spirit our helper would like to help us with our words do you understand what I'm saying here now See we for too long we've viewed the baptism of the holy spirit as optional. And the devil has tried really hard with uh, religious lies and deception to tell us this lie that it's not for today. He's lying. But if he can't pull that lie off on us, he'll say it's not for everybody. Okay? If he can't pull that lie off on us, he'll say, "Well, it's it, it's, it's for everybody, but not everybody speaks in tongues." Well, he's lying. Okay, it's not what the Bible teaches. It's a lot of confusion around um, these things, around these issues. What, what if I was to tell you that, based upon what we've just covered about the importance of words, what if I was to tell you that um, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is, is if we'll let him help us, okay, that our helper, the Holy Spirit, um, when we, Romans says it this way, that our infirmities, you ever heard that word? New King James Version translates it because infirmities makes it sound like sickness. And sickness could be a subset of this, but that, he's not talking about that. New King James has it weaknesses. Here's my favorite translation of that word, okay? Our inability to get results. We need results and we can't figure out how to get them. The Holy Spirit helps in our inability to get results. What does he do? How does he help us? He helps us by giving us words in an unknown language to us to speak out of our mouths in a language we do not know a prayer in agreement with the will of God that we do not know, but he does about that situation, right? And in the course of that, enables us to speak mysteries. If it's a mystery, it's something we don't know. So let's say you're in a situation, you don't know what to do you know should i take this job or should i take that one should i go live there or should i go live here should i marry this dude or should i you know wait for somebody else or what you I, there's all these things that you can't go to a bible verse and it, and it say take the career with the ac hvac company you know th- these are things that we have to be led by the spirit but remember now the answer has to be spoken so that's the thing. So how do you speak an answer you don't know? How 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 do you pray about your future when you don't? You're not even sure what you want to do in the future. You just know, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to do what God wants me to do. I'm not. I want. To, I want to live the life He created me to live. Well, see, the Bible says the Holy Spirit searches the mind of God, just like nobody knows you like 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 the deepest part of you nobody knows god's plan for you like the holy spirit knows god's plan for you so what is he going to do he wants to to live inside of you flow through you okay and and enable you to pray the prayer that you have to pray to get the results you need by giving you the words in a language you don't understand so that you can pray them what a gift yes sister
1: The devil or what? But I just, I don't, I don't see a future for me. I'm not suicidal or anything like that. It's just, yeah. I, I don't see me living past 30, and I've been told that you won't live past 21 because of your anger, and I, I, don't know
0: what it is, but I just, I don't see it. Okay, are you going to turn that ship, or are you just going to just drive it into the iceberg? See what I'm saying? And so I'm telling you again, and I don't mean that bluntly, sister, and I want you to promise me that you will not leave the foundry until you can, if that means it's five years, okay, all right um because and listen, I appreciate you being open and honest about that um, and and but see, here's the thing: a person doesn't get to that place overnight a person doesn't have one bad day. And can't see themselves living past thirty. Okay, that's a that's a whole lot of lies. That's a whole lot of, of negative experiences. That's probably a whole lot of uh, abuse. People who should have been there for you, not. Okay, so forth and so on. Right. Um, and so you you come to that conclusion. It's back to notice opinions, agreements, beliefs, emotions, and now the words. Okay. All right. So. We gotta change what we're thinking. We gotta change who we agreeing with. We gotta change what we believe. We gotta change how we express and experience our emotions. All right. And we gotta change what we say. That's how it's, that's that's see, some just complete a 12-month program and you know, voila, you're a new person. No, that's not how it works, okay? Because if you if you still think the same way you thought when you started a discipleship class or, or a program, whatever. What's well, changed? Because as you think in your heart, so are you. Right. So, um, do you do you have a copy of the thing the Lord gave me—a self-image based upon what's been done for you? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I triple dog dare you to read it every morning and every night before you go to bed, and read it until you memorize it, and read it until you see yourself based upon what God has done for you. Most people's image of themselves is based upon what's been done to them and what they've done to themselves. Okay? And the image, the way we need to see ourselves is not based upon what's been done to us, but what's been done for us, what God's done for you. Okay? And that's where you will find a very beautiful and bright future. And for the record, I'm not telling this to, because to, um, I appreciate your honesty and I'm not wanting you to be slightly like, overwhelmed by all of this. But you do realize that every person in this room is like, is she joking? Is she, does she really mean that? I mean, because we can all, you see what I'm saying? We, we all see a beautiful young lady, beautiful inside and out, right? That's got the whole world and that, that God's made available to her ahead of her, right? Um, but again, just because somebody else can see it for you, that don't mean you can see it for yourself. Okay, all right. Listen, I... Right, <laughs> one I thing, yeah? One thing quick. Look at yourself in the mirror and say good things about yourself. Prophesy. You, Speak yes. the word. Because yes. what are you doing? That What's that tongue doing? It's turning it, right? It's turning it. Amen. Amen. And help Amen. Me. Was there ever a place in your life, Amy, where you couldn't see a future for yourself? Yeah, was a yeah okay. <laughs> I knew there was. I'm just saying. Yes. You're not alone in that, sister. That's, that's the devil. Because you know what that's called, right? That's called without hope. Hope is the ability to see something better ahead. Okay, now about faith, hope, and love, these three, the grace, thesis, love. love. Okay. And, and so hope's the ability, love's ability to see beyond yourself. Okay. Hope's the ability to see beyond what you're going through right now. Faith's the ability to see beyond the created realm. So, I know there's a lot. Yes, sister. I was, I was actually going to ask you if you would come lay hands on her. So, um, I've got to shut this down and send the sound booth a sermon. So, but amen. Father, you're good to us. We love you. Thank you for life and peace. That everything we touch prosper for you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. So, we love you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Good things coming. Amen.
1: While you're standing there, I won't come by you.
0: It's very water. Talk.